1: from frontline production thank you for taking the time to come and visit us on building and protecting your business worth podcast john thank you how are you hey how are you tom i'm doing well and i do appreciate you taking some time to uh visit us and talk about business and what you're doing and helping other business owners get over the hurdles or make some changes um john I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about your business, because it's pretty unique. Sure. Uh, Well, thanks for having me, Tom, and uh, hello to
2: everyone in the audience. Um, I am the owner of Frontline Productions, and we are a media production company. And basically, what does that mean? We create videos, events, live streams, graphics, animations, uh, just about everything that you can think of in the media space. But we really really focus mainly uh, on corporate video because that's who our customers are.
1: and you you travel a lot so you're you're doing this internationally, right?
2: Correct. yeah. Um, our customers tend to be large you know corporations like fortune 500, Fortune 100. and so we go where the where their business is. So uh, as an example, this last week, we were in Barcelona doing a conference for Mitsubishi Power. And uh, they have a large presence in Europe and they do a conference there. So of course, if they want video you know, products from that conference, we need to go there.
1: Yeah, and you, I think you told me you travel about a hundred days a year. Yeah, probably not the uh, favorite thing for my
2: wife to hear, but yeah, it's about a hundred nights a year on the road.
1: Yeah, we won't, we won't bring that up too much here, John. Um, you know, John, you've been running a business and one thing that I, I learned real quickly when I was looking at all the great players you have on your team is that, uh, many of them were, were names that I recognized from local networks and stuff. Uh, tell us about how you kind of recruited some of these people.
2: Sure. Um, well, you know, the television game is, uh, you know, a very competitive business. And what ends up happening is, you know, folks that work in TV who are on-air personalities or whatever, or even if they're, you know, part of the uh, technical side, you know, you spend eight, 10 years at a TV station. Well, they want fresh faces. And now you've got a family here and, you, and you've some roots here. So you maybe aren't so eager to go to a different market and continue to be a face on TV. So another great opportunity is to move into the corporate world where, you know, you can uh, finish out your career. It's it's actually a very lucrative career because you're working with big companies and television tends to not pay that well. So we've got former Channel 30, Channel 3, and Channel 8 um, news anchors. They work real well because they, uh, you know, not only can be part of the story as they did in their reporting days, but they also have the ability to write the stories, edit the stories. They know how, they know all the process. So they really are valuable for our business.
1: Yeah, you have a great lineup, uh, very talented people, very uh, recognizable names. And, uh, you know, I, I, you got a good team there. But what, as a business owner, John, what do you think are the keys that you personally have to do to support the business success?
2: Well, you know, there's a lot of things, Tom, but the most important thing is customer. You do not have a business without a customer. So if you start at the customer and you kind of build backwards from there, it, it really takes care of a lot of things. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, in my business, of course, we have lots of different equipment and the people who work for me are always asking me to buy this equipment, buy that equipment or whatever, and my first question always is, how does this help the customer? And granted, if you have a piece of equipment that makes a person's job easier or um, more efficient um, or, you know, some, something else like that, sure, that does help the customer, but somewhat indirectly. My point always is we need to constantly be focusing on the customer and what makes, you know, benefits for the customer. So if you can tell me that there's a direct benefit for the customer, I think it's investable. If it's a benefit for us, maybe still investable, but a lower down on the uh, on the priority list. When I first started my business, I got some great advice from a, a fellow entrepreneur who happened to be a family friend. and really resonates with me over the years, and I find myself agreeing to it a lot. And he said, if it's something that costs, costs your time, it's probably worth doing. If it's something that is going to cost you money, probably shouldn't do it. And it's a real good lesson to learn. It really comes down to about the frugality that small business owners should have a very conservative management style. And, you know, cash flow is so important for small businesses. The point really is, a you know, maybe in a basic way is to conserve your cash, be conservative in everything you do as far as managing it. And then, you know, Focus on the customer. Those are kind of the keys to success.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you because the the two things that you mentioned, cash flow and customer, are the basis for the eight or nine value drivers that create business value. Um, I think I know the answer to this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What's the most important skill that you must have as a business owner? Well, for me – it's the
2: and I don't know if it's a skill, but it's the um, it's the passion to be a lifelong learner. I, I really feel like especially in my business, learning about and continuing to learn about not only um, all of the technical aspects that go into my business, but all of the things that our customers are doing. That to me is, is, a, is a key. And being a lifelong learner has really enabled me to um, stay on top of the technologies as they've uh, come to the, you know, the forefront of the business world. And also to be engaged with the customers and understand their products, services, and, and importantly for us, their culture.
1: Speaking of culture, uh, that's the next question I wanted to ask you. But the culture about your, your business, because you have a, seems to be a real tight-knit group of team players. Um, and my question to you, John, is how are you creating that culture in your business for longevity and sustainability?
2: Well, that's a couple of things, Tom. I mean, uh, you know, I always consider, and maybe this isn't out of a business textbook. It probably goes against everything they would tell you, but I consider everybody that works for me to be family. I empathize with them. I'm concerned about them and their lives. And I think that's one thing that's super important to people. They want to feel um, valued and cared about. And, and you know, what, what comes along with that is, you know, understanding that people need flexibility, especially now. You know, it's it's different than it was 20, 30 years ago. People have lots of pressures um, from their family life and personal life and things like, you know, like the recent pandemic and stuff like that. So empathy, caring, that really... I find goes a long way for these folks and my people don't leave. And when they do leave, I'm happy for them. I help them negotiate their own contracts and stuff like that with their new employers, because I really care about them. And, and I know that sometimes, because most of our employees actually go to, you know, the large companies that are our customers, um, they have opportunities there that I just can't give them. And I'm happy for them causes a stress on a business, of course, because, you know, now we're down a resource, but, um, and and more importantly, down somebody that we would consider to be not only a, a co-worker, but a friend and maybe even loosely as a family member. But, um, you know, when you care about people and you treat them right and you genuinely value them, they tend to stick around.
1: Yeah, it's very true. I ran a practice for many 40, 50 years and never lost people. And I, I feel the same way. You have to treat them like family because it. It really does disrupt the, the company when you lose key people, and trying to get new people in today's environment very difficult. Very difficult. Um, yeah, there's a uh, it, it's
2: it's interesting because you often hear on the news about people hiring and being laid off and things like that. But when you run a small business, you have to think about the just the pure numbers of it. So if you have a company of two people, let's say, and you hire one person, well, you've just grown fifty percent. That means every number and metric that you can think of that go along with your business has just increased fifty percent. So the numbers are are risky. You know, if you have a, a corporation or a business where you have a hundred employees and you hire one person, well, that's one percent.
1: So the the level of risk is much lower. Exactly, and the, uh, yes, and the uh, the effect of a mistake is much greater. <laughs> so. Um... Well, this is a good question for you, John, since we talked a little bit about you traveling. How are you balancing your personal and business life? I'll tell you why I asked that. Uh, in my book, I, I wrote about how I worked 80 days a year for 40 years out of my 53 because I found systems. And I've gotten a lot of calls on that. And, and during the podcast, I talk about that and ask that question to almost everyone and it's very interesting in how people answer and what they're doing. So the audience is always interested to say, how do you work so hard, but you balance your life? So I'd like to hear how you handle it. That's a uh, a tricky question, Tom.
2: <laughs> like most small, small business owners, I probably don't balance it as well as I could. But I think, you know, as I've owned the business now for 30 years. And when I first started, I mean, I never took vacation. And I think that's probably a common theme for any small business person. But as the years have gone by and, um, you know, uh, the business has grown, it's having the faith in your people that you can delegate responsibilities. And then you can have a balance because if you're trusting your people and you're letting them do their job, you need to manage them less. And you need to, uh, and you can certainly um, take things off of your plate that they are capable of doing. So it really is um, trusting your people and your processes, you know, so that you can, you know, have better work-life balance and then focus on the things that are important to growing the business. In my business, you know, our our customers um, are a very small set of people in the, you know, and it takes years, literally, to um, to get new ones. And, and when I talk to industry peers, it's when you talk about balance, it becomes the balance between marketing, let's say, and actually producing. So okay. what happens to people in our industry is they spend they spend their all their time getting work. And then once they get it, they spend all their time doing it. Well, guess what? They finish the work. Now they don't have any more work. So there's a there's a delicate balancing act there also that needs to come into play. So I find that, you know, now I try to focus probably 30% of my time on new customer development, 30% of my time on administration, and 30% of my time on, um, you know, uh, servicing my existing customers, and then maybe 10% of my time in um, helping develop my people.
1: You know, you had mentioned that to me in the survey that I had you do, which I thought was good because, I mean, you have to you've done this because you're you're delegating much of what you do, but you're still looking over the important areas. And I think that's what happens in small business. Exactly what you said. They start working on marketing, then they do the the work and they have, you know, two months of not marketing and all of a sudden it's dry and there's no new customers and the whole deal. It's inter- it's an interesting thing, but something that has to be delegated. And it seems like you handled it very very well. Well, here you know, the ancillary part that comes with that, Tom, right? Too is if your if your business comes and fits and
2: starts like that, um, you start to develop. You know, um, it, it's like a sine wave uh, your cash flow, right? Because. As you do the work, your cash flow is going to come in, and then you've got to, you know, the, the curve goes up. Then, as you finish the work and then you, you move over to the marketing side of the cycle, now your cash flow starts to go down. So, you get in this kind of never ending sine wave. So, you need to find the balance. And then, if you have a business that's like mine, where you're working with corporations, throw in a 60 to 90 day payable on top of a 60 to 90 day production schedule, and then you can really see that maintaining the proper balance is crucial otherwise you're going to have a trough that you won't be able to survive
1: and you bring up a good point because you you have to as a business owner learn how to delegate and 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 give up things that maybe you really like to do but you you've got to teach middle management those middle people to take think a little bit like an owner because if you don't you won't be able to sell your business or transition into a passive ownership uh, and also, you can't work twenty four seven, you know, every week. So uh, it seems to me you've been working really hard doing that because you had mentioned it to me. Yeah, uh, I, good question. Why did you start this business, John?
2: Well, it's a great question, Tom. And um, you know, you uh, you told me that people really kind of dive into this one. I have a an interesting story. It gets back to the lifelong learner thing. When I was young. Um, one of my neighbor's parents asked us, we were kids, I think like 10 years old or something. Hey, uh, there's a computer programming class that they're offering in adult education. You guys want to take it? Well, of course, we were kids. We didn't think we could do it, but she said, oh, I'm sure you could. And we ended up taking it. And I was you know, probably one of the original computer generation kids back in the seventies and learn how to program computers. Well, as you fast forward, um, but it had always been a, ha- a hobby of mine, and I and I enjoyed programming and doing making games and things like that on my own. I uh, after college, I I lived on Martha's Vineyard, and I was um, a warehouse manager for Coca Cola, and I happened to meet a person who said they were in uh, the business of of multimedia, which was you know using computers to make media programs, and said, hey, if you're ever in Connecticut, look me up. Um, well, I. You know, my uh, plant was shut down on Martha's Vineyard, so I was moving back to Connecticut, and I had this gentleman's um, card in, amongst my things, and I called him up, and he said, hey, really weird that you're calling me, but uh, we're doing a program for the NBA and IBM with the Dream Team, and our lead programmer just quit. Would, would you be interested? And uh, I rolled the dice and said, sure, I'll take a look. I uh, didn't know that I could do programming for IBM. That was kind of an intimidating thing, but I, I said, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And uh I was uh, happy to find out that, you know uh, th- it was written in a programming language I didn't know, but they had the books, and so I, I dove into it. and as a lifelong learner, I you know I wanted to learn it and I was able to do it. And the result was I had my first customer. <laughs> and that customer uh, I was a, a valued customer for mine for probably five, 10 years. And um, sometimes, you know, life throws something at you, and you just have to go with it. But um, it really just comes back to uh, you know having that entrepreneurial spirit to take a chance, and also the passion uh, for learning.
1: I, I'm I'm smiling because the passion part of it, uh, because fate throws you different directions and different roads, but it's the passion that makes you start moving your feet to move forward. And I'm laughing because I knew you were going to get to that passion part of it, which is, you know, that's what happened. Most of us are doing things we never thought we'd do in our life, and it worked out pretty well for most of us, you know. <laughs> yeah, and,
2: and and there was an interesting coincidence that happened. So I started as what we would call uh, back in the day a multimedia application developer, which you say, well, geez, what does that have to do with video? It sounds like you're a computer programmer. Well, the applications that we were building were… Uh, video based, you know, it was video of Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and, you know, the dream team. And we had these touchscreen kiosks that people would engage with at the various venues around the world. And back then video was, anal- you know, for those of us who are old, enough to remember, video was analog, it was done on tape, you know, it wasn't a digital thing. And there was an inflection point in that industry late in the 90s, when um, what they call nonlinear editors came to be, which are you know what everybody knows now is you know editing with a computer. And um there was a fella here in Connecticut who was the director of video at the Southern New England telephone company. And he bought the first um nonlinear editor in the, in the state it was called an Avid system. And and I had heard that he got it and I called him up and I said, hey, I heard you got an Avid. Um, I'd love to learn how to use it. Would you mind if I came, you know, down and learned how to use it. And he said, oh, that'd be great. Why don't you, why don't you come down? He said, all right, well, can I come down? And I was kind of thinking maybe I'd say, you know, maybe come down on a weekend or after work or whatever. He goes, no, oh, why don't you come down tomorrow at 9 a.m.? And uh, there you go. I had another customer. And it, it, and it would just happen to be that because the industry was moving towards computers and the people, and this is a lesson for people who are in their jobs where technology is maybe changing it. The guys who were used to the analog way of doing it didn't want to engage with the computer, or didn't want to do it. So somebody like me was able to come in and disrupt them because I wanted to learn how to do it.
1: It it it, it certainly does come down to that that attitude about taking a chance. And I mean, a lot of times you get thro- things thrown at you that you don't know where it's going to go. But if you don't take the chance or the risk, you don't know. You know, you'll never know. Um, exactly. But it is interesting because you are a lifelong learner, and I think I have found that lifelong learners seem to take more risks than the people that are not lifelong learners. It's interesting, very interesting, John. I got a question for you. Uh, we got a couple minutes here, but um, I got to ask you: um, What advice would you give other people who wanted to pursue a career like yours in my industry? I think you know well
2: let me back up one step for my industry it really comes down to there's a couple sides to it right there's the people who are the technicians the people who actually press the buttons and make this stuff happen for those folks you know get educated go to you know go to a um a school that specializes in media or communications or something like that for the other side of the business the creators the uh the people who are the writers and the uh you know, people are coming up with the stories and writing, you know, movies and all that kind of stuff. um Again, it's you need to get yourself into that community and um ho- hook up with whatever opportunity you can find to not only network, but also learn, whether that's an internship or um, a job shadow or a part-time job or anything like that. You need to our industry is one of those ones where you have to get in there and get some training, but also get some connections because there aren't really big opportunities uh, besides the very super large companies. We have a very interesting industry. We have the Disneys and the Sonys of the world, and then there's nothing in the middle as far as size of businesses. Then you have just small businesses like us. So there's not really a clear, easy path. Um, other than either going straight to the top or trying to connect with people who are on a more local level.
1: Yeah, so you, it, it sounds like in your in this industry trying to break through, you'll, you'll bump into walls periodically, but you got to bounce off the walls and take as, as many opportunities of getting to network and getting experience and getting to know the business. That's pretty much what you're saying, I guess, huh?
2: Yeah, because there's, you know, like, for other professions, right, there's maybe, you know, your career path is maybe a little more clearly defined. If you're a, if you're an accountant, you go to work for an accounting firm. If you're a lawyer, you go to work for a law firm. Um, if you're a business person, you try to latch onto a business, and then you can, you know, make your way up the ladder or maybe move to different industry to industry. In this one, you know, really, because because it's so bifurcated between, you know, what I'll call micro-businesses, and the extremely large businesses it's very hard because you either have to go and try and become a very small player at the um the large firms where maybe you're not going to get the experience level you need or get the position you want or you have to go and try and hook up at a small firm where um you know maybe you'll get the position you want but maybe you won't be working on the types of projects that you want so it's it's a it's a little bit of a challenge for sure.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting industry. You make a good point. It's not a direct industry where I'm, I have family in radio and I know the bouncing off the walls is all, all about. Um, here's a, the last question I'm going to ask you, John. And, John, when we leave, stay on for a while. I just want to wrap up with you. But when I say goodbye to everybody. And also, uh, the audience, I will have all of John's contact information in this summary notes. So you could contact John and talk to him if you feel like you want to talk to him about a project or whatever. But, John, here's my question If you were in my shoes, what question would you ask yourself that I didn't ask you? <laughs>
2: That's funny, Tom. Well, you know, a big part of my job um, when I am working directly with customers is interviewing people. Um, so I get to ask questions of people all the time. Um, I think, uh, you know, I always kind of like to ask people when I end an interview about what their what, what's their vision of what the future will be for either their business or, or whatever we have to be talking about. So if I was you, I'd probably say, Hey John, what where do you see the business in the next five years? Or where do you see your profession or your personal career in the next five years? That's that's probably what I would ask you, Tom.
1: And what what would your
2: answer be? Um, I'm in that phase where uh I'm starting to transition. Um I've owned the company for 30 years now. So I'm in the and I think you had kind of alluded to it earlier. I'm in a I'm in a situation where I'm preparing my business um to you know, to go to the next phase, which would be, um, you know, where I take less of a role and other people take a larger role and maybe, uh, I take less of an ownership stake and maybe others take more of an ownership stake right now. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a rare thing in this, in this world. I'm a 100% owner um, of the business. Um, Which is great on one hand, but it also presents challenges on the other. And uh, I think I've been lucky and fortunate. I've had great customers over the years. So I'm not forced to do anything as a specific exit strategy. So, uh, and I don't need to hit a home run with selling my business or anything like that. I can be real selective in in what I do. Um, But that's kind of uh, where I'm at. So I think, you know, if you ask me where I'm going to be in five years, in five years, I'll probably be, Getting close to uh, that, tra- you know, that transition spot where I will be um, moving into the next phase of my life, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll have
1: prepared well enough that my folks are all taken care
2: of and feel really good about the plan.
1: Well, it's a it's an entrepreneurial good story, and uh, uh, we'll have a discussion about it at some point. But that's exactly why I do this. So people that are running their business get to hear what other people are thinking and doing, especially sole owners. But we're running out of time, John. I'm going to say goodbye. Please stay on. Uh, I want to thank the audience for coming in. And again, I'll have all John's information available for you to contact him. And John, I want to thank you for taking your time today. I know you're very busy, uh, but thank you again. Thank you, Tom. It was fun. All right, John. See you soon. Take care. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at perone. that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C, Inc com and on the subject line type dna include your mailing address and thirdly take the one minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard for additional information click the show notes